powered by Cooper Parry, the rebels of accountancy, this is the No Bull Podcast. No Bull Podcast. Our purpose, to disrupt, lead, and make life count. We help entrepreneurial, like-minded businesses to thrive across the UK. Welcome to this Noble podcast powered by Cooper Parry. I'm Steve Noss, Head of Creative. What can I say? Uh, we love an entrepreneur at Cooper Parry, and my special guest today is a truly awesome one. You'll hear how his business has flipped a traditional sector completely on its head. Cam Shearer is co-founder and CEO at Superscript, the insurance business absolutely ripping it up in the tech space right now. For those not familiar with Superscript, how would you define your USP? Hi Steve, thanks, thanks and uh, great to be, be here. Yeah, I mean, we're a small business insurance provider, um, as you mentioned, and uh, I guess we really focus around flexibility, personalization, and price. You know, the flexibility to be able to get things covered fast, change your cover anytime, you know, perfect for uh, the current environment that we're in where there's a lot of volatility. Um, personalization, um, you know, not one size fits all. That was kind of the motto that we started with. You know, it's not about off the shelf products. This is about being able to really tailor the cover exactly for your needs as a small business. Um, and of course, um, you know, where, where we can, we're, we're as price competitive as we can be, and um, our model really lends into that uh, as well. I mean, I'm intrigued by your, your, your story because you and Ben, both co founders, very different backgrounds. Uh, yours, I believe, advertising, software, uh, Ben's different. Um, where did you meet? Um, and I suppose what I'm trying to get at also is, are you both entrepreneurs at heart or kind of is it a yin-yang thing? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably was a little bit more of the entrepreneur um, at the beginning. Uh, we met in Australia. As you mentioned, I was in advertising. I have a, 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 a quite a mixed background, actually, education, tech. I used to work in um, uh, IPTP broadcasting. Um, and uh, I think that kind of plays to that entrepreneurial um, uh, personality, I guess. It's not about um, necessarily the sector for me, it's about the challenge and, and what, you can, what you can look to overcome. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a personal uh, journey with trying to get insurance for the advertising agency I was um, with at the time, and that's where Ben came into the fold. Uh, and we were looking at the micro SME space and thought, hey, there's an opportunity here for, for us to connect the tech and underwriting um, world, um, I guess, and, and ultimately I think it's that combination of founders that, that gives us our, our success. And, and so just picking up on that, um, what brought you guys to London? Oh, I think there was clearly a bit bigger market here. I mean, Ben just happened to be working in Australia at the time and, um, you know, London, the, the, the heart of insurance for the world and uh, a big market to go after. And, uh, you know, I thought it would be a, a great opportunity to, to cross the, to the other side of the world and do something over here, so, yeah. And, and I suppose, you know, in, in tech terms, <clears throat> um, developing your own software feels like a game changer, sounds like a massive game changer. Is that, was that your intention right from the get-go? 
yeah, I don't think we really had any other choice. <laughs> I mean, part of the part of the big problem with um, with why the insurance sector is so behind is because it's just rife with legacy systems. They're tying in the brokering, and they're tying in the they're tying in, in the carrier end. Um, and so our model and the way that we wanted to operate with the different carriers and the way that we wanted to bring our proposition to to market, um, we couldn't rely on any of the tech that existed. So uh, yeah, I mean it was fundamental to, to us being able to launch. I mean that that kind of leads me nicely to to a, a, I suppose a bigger concept, which is that of disruption. Mm -hmm. You know, at Cooper Parry, we love a bit of disruption. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of part of our you know DNA. And, and certainly my, you know, meetings with you and your team and, and, and exposure to your marketing and, and so on, I get a real sense that disruption is at the heart of what you do. Now, kind of that analogy has another uh, area to it because we operate in a very traditional sector, accountancy and inverted commas, and there's probably very few as traditional sectors as insurance. You know, so kind of, was your approach deliberately, not just from a software point of view, but kind of to disrupt, to flip it, to kind of blow? Yeah, I think you see a lot of insure techs um, and a lot of businesses trying to enter um, quite a, a, you know, a, a sector with a lot of history there and go kind of guns blazing, you know, you guys don't know what you're doing and we're gonna do it better. I think you have to be really compassionate to um, the, the history that exists there, the relationships that you need to have to be able to operate um, in quite a complex and regulated sector. Um, so you really need to pick those battles. You need to be um, you know, working with the sector um, where it makes sense and then really disrupting um, where you, you, know, you, can, you can add real value there. And have you have you found experienced much resistance in in that respect, or kind of has it been surprising the other way? Yeah, I mean, I think the value of having a um, uh, a co-founder with such a strong insurance experience has been really critical to us getting you know that right cut through to the right people in the um, in the sector. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, that the sector really is prime for innovation, so they, they really love that there's somebody that understands their world but is also trying to do things differently. So they really, you know, they, they, it's not hard to get people excited on, on board in, in that respect. And I suppose, you know, what a lot of people will be fascinated by is the kind of the your funding journey and how, how it all started. And I know um, that, you know, when, when you set up uh, the business in the first place, it was, you know, personal savings, kind yeah. of very, very, um, you know, hand to mouth, I'm sure. Uh, but then, since then, you've undertaken a kind of a whole series of uh, funding rounds, in, including a, a recent, you know, $10 uh, million plus Series A. Um, how, how have you found the whole kind of funding experience? I think I often reflect on this and I think uh, I, I would definitely, if I've done it again, if I, if I do it again, hopefully I will do it again, um, I would absolutely raise um, bigger and earlier. But I think that's also a bit tricky when, when you're quite, quite green to, to the investor world and, and starting a new business. When we started out, I didn't even know, you know, 
what a VC was really. I mean, I didn't really understand that world. So there was a lot of learning and educating um, in, in the early um, days there. Um, you know, it's not for every business either. I think once you start that funding journey, it really sets you on a particular path of growth. Um, it is about that growth capital. You know, you have to you have to be prepared to um, grow fast and almost fail fast um, if it goes if it goes the other way. Um, but you know, I used to hate it at the beginning, <laughs> absolutely, and uh, you know, I think I've come to enjoy it a lot more. Um, but that also comes with success, you know, if, you've, if you can go out and show off your business and show all the, the great things that you're working with, um, then, you know, it's easier to tell a good story and get people excited about it. So, so, one, so, so to kind of, kind of sum it up, I suppose, is that if, if you knew then what you know now, you would do it slightly differently, but you would still, it would have been a, a same sort of course. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's interesting because Obviously, they're, they're, there's particularly in tech and insure tech, in, you know, um, there is a lot of investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also you having the honesty to say, actually, didn't really know what we were doing necessarily from day one. You have to learn really quick and then go again. That's, a, you know, it's a very, very, very powerful story. The No Bull Podcast. In terms of the, the model. Um, something that you know, as consumers, uh, we're, we're all have become very familiar with kind of ubiquitous subscription models for everything, from our food to our music uh, to our you know TV consumption. Um, in B two B terms, it's obviously less common. Um, I love I love the notion that you kind of smash the whole sort of annual premium cycle of insurance and that in a way the subscription model has allowed you to do that. Just tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, coming kind of from that tech world, it just it made absolutely no sense to a tech person um, why it wasn't already um, a subscription model. So right from the beginning it was, let's make this flexible, um, that monthly kind of subscription SaaS style service, you know, at the time, we work was um, you know really growing quite quickly, and the idea that you could rent an office for a month and not buy your insurance for a month just was a big misalignment um, for me. Um, I absolutely think it's a def- differentiator. You know, it, it, it's more or less important depending on sectors and business size. You know, smaller businesses um, uh, see that differently to um, bigger businesses, um, but that. That model, whether or not it's the the payment part of the model, um, the model itself lends itself to more engagement with the customer. So you you get more opportunities to engage with the customer, touch you know more touch points, um, and you can collect more, more more data to kind of support the proposition and the and the, and the growth. Um, so so it becomes more and more tailored. And more and more bespoke every time, really. Yes. Yeah. And and allows you to do quite interesting things more from a, a regular kind of integration point, which is definitely where I think insurance is heading and needs to head. You know that, in, that idea of embedding your insurance in in other things, um, having that that model really lends itself to that way of working. Powered by Cooper Parry, the No Bull Podcast. Another another area that is kind of a, a key theme really around um, the workplace um, is culture. Mm-hmm. Um, ha, you know, in terms of how central culture is to Superscript, um, do you see that? I mean, and, and I suppose taking taking a step back, 
what's happened over the last sort of 17 months um, in terms of you've not only been through a pandemic, we're still kind of coming out gently out the other side, but also you're growing mm -hmm. as a business, growing fast. So how do you manage, you know, in, in very, very trying circumstances when you're not actually even necessarily seeing your people face to face, mm -hmm. how, how have you managed to retain such a strong culture? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised um, <laughs> how well we've done. When we started, uh, before the pandemic, we were about 25 people and we're now, I think, almost 70 people. So there's wow. been some, some serious growth and, um, you know, I was in the office yesterday and, and met for the first time somebody that's worked for us for six months but never met face-to-face. You know, I think first of all, culture has to be top down. I think you hear that a lot, but it, it is absolutely true. I mean, it's it's really so important to Ben and myself um, that we have a good con uh, a good culture. So you know, and actually, it, it, it absolutely has to trickle down. Um, you know, the 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 success through the pandemic, I think, has been really about perfecting our onboarding process. Um, you need to expose and embed people into your culture. ASAP. You can't postpone that thinking, you know, we'll wait until we get back to the office, until we start to socialise and do things. Um, you know, I've had people that I've spoken to two weeks into their employment and they've said, you know, I was nervous about moving in a pandemic, um, but actually the first two weeks with your business has been more engaging and more exciting than the last whole year um, at, at my previous job. Um, and to hear that, I mean, that's something that I'm really particularly proud of um, in our business. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to also set expectations up front. Um, I think moving into we we always knew we well quite early on. I think we knew we weren't going to move to a fully remote. We were never going to be a fully remote business. Uh, it was always going to be moving to a hybrid um, style of business. And I think you need to set that expectation with people as you're going through the recruiting phase. You need to say, don't join our business if you're wanting to just stay at home. This is a business that um, thrives on uh, social and face-to-face -face, um, communication engagement. Yeah, and I, and I suppose, you know, the, the, the phase we're in now where we're, you know, gently, uh, you know, unlocking, you know, uh, phase um, brings that sharply into focus doesn't it because you know and getting the balance right between you know remote working office working and you know certainly collaboration feels like it's integral to to your business it certainly is to our business and it's just it's it's finding the balance that's right for the business and the individuals that seems to be seems to be at the heart heart of heart of it yeah. um in terms of your just just Picking up on some of the culture things there, in terms of your learnings, where, where, how have you defined your culture? Is it just through personal experience or your your personality, your you know individual ethics? What what, what are your kind of uh, sounding boards for for developing and shaping your culture? Ah. Uh. I don't really know. I mean, I, I was t actually talking about this yesterday and kind of reflecting on the previous businesses that um, that I've worked at. And, you know, I've been in some really toxic environments. And I guess I try to break down what how, how that sort of starts to manifest and, um, you know, what, what can we be doing to sort of evo uh, avoid that kind of thing. Um, gossiping, politics, all that sort of stuff. 
I think it, it absolutely is something that, that can grow um, over time if you don't, you know, get it sorted up front. Um, I'm a pretty transparent guy. Um, I, you know, if there are issues, you know, it's about getting people together and talking through them before it becomes kind of that deeper, you know, uh, toxic environment, yeah. I guess. So that's definitely my mantra. Um, and yeah, I, you know, it's about having a leadership team as well that is going to, you know, follow that same sort of principle and, you know, get that through the business. Absolutely, I get that completely. The No Bull Podcast. Another thing, and uh, I, I was lucky enough to see some one of your posters the other day. You, you, you've just undertaken a, a really exciting above the line advertising campaign, which again, you know, for B two B is is really bullish, and and I love it. Um, there's a real attitude to it. Um, how has how has that panned out, and um, have you ruffled feathers along the way? I, I, I'd like I'd like to hope so. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know about ruffling feathers, but I think um, you know beyond just the uh, intention of like engaging with customers and building brand awareness, um, it is amazing how many people see this stuff. I get calls from partners. I think we've won partnership deals off the back of it. Um, you know, carriers, stakeholders. Um, I've got a lot of people commenting on it. It has landed absolutely very well. It's right through the UK. Um, last year, when we rebranded from Digitalist to Superscript, um, we just ran our first campaign in London. Um, you know, as a smaller business, um, sort of, at, I guess, at our stage, um, you know, you can do better analytics. It's always difficult to do analytics on uh, above the line, but. Uh, brand brand recall was was clearly um, prevalent there, and um, you know it proved the success of that. So this campaign is about building on that. Um, as part of that rebrand, we sort of bedded down our pin principles, um, and one of our principles is to be unexpected. And I think our create creative and our tone of voice really comes through uh, in this campaign. Yeah, uh, alongside that, uh, uh, absolutely. And you, you just touched on something there that you know the, that that. Uh, as part of the rebrand, if you like, um, you evolved the name from Digital Risks to Superscript. Yeah. Uh, what was what was the thinking behind that? Yeah, I mean, in a in a practical sense, um, I think digital always had a bit of a sh shelf life. Risk is a bit of a, a, a negative word, so I mean, I think it was a great were, it was a great name to get us started with. But but we always knew we needed to change. It was just picking the right time to make that change. Um, from a proposition point of view, we started with um, uh, digital and media businesses, and now we are about serving you know every um, SME. Um, every business is now digital anyway, um, so you know dropping the, the the digital element of that. But I guess probably more importantly um, for me is that you know we've had five years of um, you know building the team working out who we are, working out what our true purpose is as a business, you know, what we stand for, the principles that we want to live up to, uh, and all of that was injected into Superscript uh, and, and the process of building out that really. Powered by Cooper Parry, the No Bull podcast. And, and, and as, as part of that and aligning it with the campaign and the vision and so on, how, how do you see the the superscript journey going i mean do you just see it as a vertical kind of rocket launch um 
or do you see it as kind of uh, obviously considered and phased? But what, what are your big ambitions for Superscript? Oh, I mean, we definitely have global ambitions. So I, you know, I think there's um, there's a lot to do in the UK. Um, you know, like I said, starting with one sort of niche sector and then kind of rolling that um, those same learnings and successes, I guess, across different industries. Um, we absolutely want to be that brand that is known for SME insurance. I think if you look at kind of the the, the brands that are out there. The Avivas, the Axes, you know, they're household um, name brands, but they're not really just known for small business insurance. In fact, they're more known for life and car and home and all that sort of stuff. So, um, again, so bringing my advertising back background uh, into the fold here was really about that ownable territory of SME insurance and being the name that people recall when they think, where am I going to get insurance? And absolutely, you know, we want to do that. Beyond the UK as well over time. Fantastic. Um, right, just before we wrap, I, I, I'd like just to run through some quick fire questions if you don't mind. Um, and, and I suppose they're just so that we and listeners get an insight into Cam the Man. So uh, I'm going to fire away. So, in terms of these are all either or uh, Musk or Bezos? Musk, but I think increasingly de debatable. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? Oh, I, I, <laughs> watching his SNL yeah. <laughs> segment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, for me, I've always, um, I, I, I think it's interesting seeing how um, some of these big successful um, founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs sort of make their kind of way into stardom, I guess, and um, you know the the public kind of life. Um, yeah, I think I think you can you know let let your ego get away with you a bit, um, but you know I mean I, I love everything that he that he does from a commercial business perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next one up. Um, Tinny or wine or oh, even something else? Tinny, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aussie. <laughs> it's got to be, hasn't it? Um, live gig or streaming? Oh, I mean, I think I've streamed enough for the past uh, 18 months, so it's absolutely a live gig. I did see the, the Glastonbury live, uh, well, actually not live, but the live, virtual live uh, thing, which was uh, was actually quite impressive. but. Nothing beats going to the real thing. And you were able to get on it because there was a lot oh, of... No, not for the first 45 minutes. Right. But, <laughs> but you, could, you could start again. Yeah, but I love, I love the innovation the, yes. the, the, and, and what, they, what they tried to achieve. And, and, and actually, I think, like you, did achieve with a sort of kind of st fairly strange hybrid model. I was surprised, surprised how, how enjoyable, I guess, it yeah. was. Yeah. 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 No. if you've got a big projector and a good sound system. Uh, okay, next one up. Uh, gym or park run? Gym. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I love jumping on the treadmill. Um, a lot of people think that's weird. Why would you jump on a treadmill when you can run around outside? But um, it's really a deep thought um, time for me. I can really just kind of focus on... Um, well, the, 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 the running just takes care of itself. And I guess the, the kind of endorphins um, sort of you know help I, I overcome so many problems on the treadmill um, yeah just get into a bit of a zone 
Okay, and then uh, a more relaxing one, Netflix or the cinema? Well, same as live gigs, I think, you know, I'm dying to get back to the cinema. Um, so, yeah, I think I've exhausted Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have. Yeah. Although it's incredible, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly amazed by the, the, the volume of content that they're able to generate and, yeah. and continue to generate. Well, th thanks ever so much, Cam. It's been a, a, a real pleasure, uh, and I'm sure our listeners to this uh, No Ball podcast will have absolutely loved it. Um, and I, for one, can't wait to see the next chapter in your journey, um, and I know you're absolutely going to smash it. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. It's been great. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the No Ball podcast. Share your thoughts, find us on LinkedIn, and send us a message and subscribe to get notified of future episodes.